So we're, we're in Advent, and uh, we're in a series that I call Regift. And the idea is that, you know, you get these presents, and a lot of times you can't uh, use them. And, uh, you know, or, or, or maybe you get two of them. Uh, you know, two blenders or, 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 or two coffee grinders or whatever, and you, you only need one. And so you re-gift it, and then there's a lot of things. You know, is that allowed? And, you know, well, you know if you re-gift, shouldn't you buy something? You know, all this kind of stuff. But God has given us gifts that, that he expects us to re-gift. As a, as a matter of fact, he's given us, us gifts that he's given us so much of, we couldn't possibly use it all ourselves. I mean, it's like, it's like, like we said last week, 50 spatulas. You just can't use 50 spatulas. You got to give them away, right? That's how, that's what we were talking about last week. That's what God's hope is like. And this morning we're going to talk about God's peace. And before we do that, I just want to pray a prayer together uh, as a family. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray this. Gracious God, grant that we may find peace as we prepare for our Lord's birth. May divisions in ourselves and in our families, neighborhoods, and church be resolved according to your wisdom. Help us to see the paths of peace in our lives, and then give us us the courage to follow them. Sorry, I messed that up. Lord, let us remember that you only are the giver of lasting peace, and that you are always with us. Amen. So, if you get on CNN.com or Fox News or whatever side of the aisle you find yourself um, to get your news, you can find article after article on peace. It's all over the place. We call it peace in the Middle East. We, we, we call it a peace process. There's the Peace Corps. You can win a peace prize, a Nobel Peace Prize, and a million dollars. So get busy, Okay. You can, you can win a, a, a peace prize. Anyway, uh, there's, uh, peace is all over the place. We want peace in Afghanistan. Uh, now we're seeing uh, North Korea and South Korea. And are they ever going to have peace? And uh, the, 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 the talks again uh, between pa- Palestine and, and, and Israel are breaking down. And, and you know, but how are we going to find peace there? And then then we see, we want peace in our families. And some of us have had years and years and years of family just kind of just breaking up because there's no peace. We talk about peace in our finances. We want to just, if we just had a little bit more, if we could just figure something out, there'd be peace there. There's just a lack of peace everywhere. The economy is totally uncertain right now. And some people are saying it's going to come back. Some people are saying it's going to take longer than it's ever taken. It's just this, this angst, this turmoil. There's racial tension in our country that, 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 that shouldn't, that shouldn't be there. There's, there's religious tension. There's political tension. There's, there's all this tension. There's no peace. And so when we talk about this morning uh, 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 about peace, we have to define it first. Because in our Western mind, peace is usually the lack of, of conflict. And so when we say peace in the Middle East, we mean stop killing each other. We don't, that, that would be peace in the Middle East. 
If we say peace in our families, a lot of times we just mean for the home to quiet down a little bit. Or uh, uh, if we say, uh, you know, when I retire, I'll have peace. It means the lack of stress, you know, the lack of maybe responsibility. Uh, you know, I just got to get a tea time. That's it. Once I get that down, I'm, all, I'm good, you know. Whatever your uh, definition, that's a Western definition. And so in, in, your, in your company, uh, if there's peace there, it means they're probably not fighting for position. You know, there's just a lack of backstabbing maybe. In the church, if we have peace, maybe it means every volunteer spot is open, and, I mean, is, is filled and we're not gossiping about each other or something, whatever. That's a Western view of peace. It's, it's not a Hebrew view of peace. And um, since... Uh, the Bible is written primarily to a, a Hebrew audience. We first have to understand what what is their view of peace? What does peace mean to the Hebrew mind? If you're reading a verse as an American and it says peace and you think lack of conflict, you're going to miss a really deep uh, um, concept that God wants us to get. To the Jew, if he were to say peace to you, you probably already know the word. It's shalom, right? See, you already knew it. Okay, as the worship band returns, we're going to go. No, uh, I have nothing to teach you. Right, it, it's shalom, okay? And what shalom is, shalom is not, when someone says peace to you, they're not saying, may you have no conflict. What shalom is, it's, it's the inner weaving of God and humanity, of God and his creation. Uh, it's the, uh, Cornelius Planicus or Plantiga wrote a, a, a great quote here. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitly employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom, in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. In the scripture, when the Bible uses that word shalom, it's talking about the way it is supposed to be. God's kingdom. So in a marriage, if I were to wish shalom upon your marriage, I'm not just wishing that you guys stop arguing. I'm wishing that your marriage would be as it's described in scripture, that you would become one flesh, that you would have like mind, that you would have a like ministry, that, that the husband would truly be laying down his life for his wife and that the wife would truly be submitting to her husband in a way that is just exactly like Christ uh, and the church. See that fabric like that? If I wish shalom upon your marriage, that's what I'd be looking for. If I wish shalom upon your finances, it wouldn't just be more money. It would be that your attitude of your finances would be exactly like Christ's attitude for your finances. That, that you wouldn't be consumed with the things that you consume. That you wouldn't be worried about what, what, what the next car is going to be or the next house. or uh, You wouldn't be worried about uh, the fact that this doesn't work or that or I wish I had this or I wish I had if I wish If I wished financial shalom upon you, I would wish that you would see your finances exactly as God sees them, that he has given you a set amount to watch over, to be a steward over. That would be shalom for your finances. And it goes on and on and on. If I wished shalom for this church i wouldn't just wish that 
we got along or there wouldn't be any gossip. I would wish that, I would pray for that you would be operating in your gifts that we would be a body of Christ operating together, that there would be no dissension because if you're a foot, you're operating just as a foot is supposed to operate. And if you're an eye, you're operating just like an eye is supposed to operate. If you're a hand, you're operating. And, and there's no competition that we're all operating within our gifts and we're all supporting one another and we're spurring each other on to love and good deeds. That's what I would wish for if I were to wish shalom upon this church which I wish upon this church every pick and day. I wish shalom upon this church. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And, and, and what would happen is this, this shalom church would be a church that welcomes in those from the community because we need something to do because we're operating in, in such of the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit that there's just there, there would be so much to pour out that we, we, we couldn't possibly hold it in. That would be shalom for our church. And so it's not the absence of anything. Here's here's what shalom is. Shalom is the presence of God. And it even goes farther. And I'm going to get to what you're supposed to put in your bulletin later on. But, but I, I wanted to kind of give us this picture that when the Bible talks about peace, it's talking about shalom. It's talking about fullness. It's talking about this connectedness with God, that God and he made his creation for the sole purpose of interacting with that creation and that creation glorifying him. Okay? So where do, where do we get this shalom? Where, where does it come from? If you can't buy it and you can't manipulate your way into it, what, what, what's happened? Well, shalom was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's why we light these candles. Christ is the, is the center, and on Christmas Eve we light that. Um, and then um, if you're an idiot pastor, you have somebody light the wrong candle. But in this case, we lit the right ones. This is hope and this is peace. And then we'll light joy, which has already been lit, and then love, and then the, the Christ candle. We'll get new candles for next week. Uh, but this is the idea that, that Christ is the center. Christ is the, the fulfillment of all this. And Christ is the fulfillment of peace. Now check out what happens in Luke chapter 2. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, it, it's a famous Christian, famous Christmas story. It's starting in verse 8. It's not, we'll get to a verse that gets put up on the, on the wall there. But there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, imagine you're a shepherd. This is what you do every day and every night. is pretty much the same. You put the sheep in, whatever. And a, an angel comes and appeared to them. And the glory of the lo- Lord shone around them. Now, check this out. Sometimes we see in, in the Bible that angels show up. And sometimes they don't know that, like in Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't know they were angels. They looked just like men. And th- those who visited Abraham and Sarah looked like But this angel shows up and the glory of the Lord Lord shone all around them and they freaked out as you would. So don't get down on them. Uh, It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I give you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared. If they weren't afraid before, now they're afraid. Appeared with the angel praising God and saying this. Check this out. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. 
shalom to men on whom his favor rests. See, unto you a Savior is born, and he's going to be it. This is going to be, as we look through the, the, the story of God throughout history, there's this Savior that's born that is the main thread of shalom, this redemptive thread that ties everything together. Okay, let's, let's go back. Because Jesus talks about this when he's in his ministry. Ephesians 2.14 says that Jesus is our shalom. Actually, in the Greek, it's Irene. So if your name is Irene, you probably already knew this, but your name means peace. So congratulations if that's you. you mean, it means peace. Uh, mine means like, uh-oh, you know. No. Um, okay, so, so John, check out what Jesus says in John 14.27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Now listen, listen. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't allow your heart to be troubled and don't allow it to be fearful. Now, if you're you're getting peace from Jesus, it's kind of an annoying verse. I don't know if you've ever been really hurting about something and you go to your buddy and you say, man, I'm really hurting about this. And oh, it'll be fine. That's lame. And it seems like that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, my peace I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. It'll be fine. Those finances, don't sweat it. There's got to be something more. There's got to be a key to what Jesus is saying. Unfortunately, we have, we have this through his life modeled. We have it through his words, and we have it through other sections of Scripture. There's something else that needs to happen in order to sense that peace of Christ. Because you can be a Christian. You can have Jesus and not have peace. Have you met Christians that have a total lack of peace? They've got Christ. What? What's the problem? If you got Christ, shouldn't you have peace? Isn't he that? Yes, he is. But there's something that is very, very important that we read about in here. I want to read it to us right now in, in, in the prophet Isaiah. Check this out. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders. If you're reading the uh, NIV, it's uh, the government will be upon his shoulder, or NASB, I can't remember which one. Authority rests on his shoulders. Watch. Watch the authority in this verse. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince prince, ruler of peace. If we want to experience God's peace in our life, if we want to experience shalom, if we want to experience kind of the coming together of all things, it's not enough just to have Jesus. He has to be ruling our lives. He has to be in control. And that, church, is where I miss the mark. Almost every time there's an area in my life where I lack peace, it's because I'm trying to take control back from God. 
almost every single time. I want to read that, that section in Isaiah. Um, and I want to read it in a different way. I want you to start thinking of this idea about authority. That Christ doesn't just come as a little baby peacemaker where you just kind of pray your prayer of peace and like a candy machine and out comes the peace and you unwrap it and go, mmm, that tastes better. Thank you, Jesus. There's something different. Now, now listen to this. This is in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. When he rules... There's peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, here's the thing. Do you want peace in your finances? Let God reign in your finances. Do you want peace in your marriage? Let God reign. Let him rule in your marriage. Do you want peace in your home? Let him reign. Let him rule. Let him have authority in your home. He has been hammering me all week long on this very thing for me. I'd feel stress. I'd have a lack of peace. And he'd go, what are you doing? What are you trying to run on your own? Uh, I don't know, the church maybe? Uh, don't do it. It's mine. Leave it. We say this to our dog. Every time I see my dog going to some place, I don't, leave it. Leave it. Okay. That's, it. That's how I felt like all week long. I'm like, oh, man, leave it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> right, if I, uh, anyway. So, right, leave it. Think about it. Think about your marriage. Is God ruling? I mean, if your husbands, are you allowing him to rule? I'll tell you, husbands, sometimes we miss the voice of God because we don't listen to our spouse. God wants to speak through our wives and either because we're too macho or we're too insecure or whatever, we don't listen and we miss the voice of God. Because he's not ruling. He's not reigning. We, 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 we're trying to take it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a God. And we don't bow our knee to God and go, God, could you be talking through my wife right now? Wives, sometimes we miss the voice of God because our husbands aren't acting fast enough or smart enough or we know better or we went to school. And so we grab a hold and God wanted to do something great in your husband if you would only submit and allow God to work in that situation. And we miss it because we try to take control and, 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 and now we have stress because we didn't allow God to reign. We took it on ourselves. Sometimes we have this stress in our finances because we, we've grabbed hold of it and we said, man, if I don't, if I don't look out for me, no one's going to look out for me. 
And if I don't, you know, I deserve this or I deserve that. And, and there's all this stress or in our job when we feel like if we don't promote ourselves, we're not going to get promoted. And, and so there's stress in our jobs. And, 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 and at school, sometimes there'll be kids and there'll be a group of kids and, 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 and they'll start making fun of one. And one feels like the only way out is to make fun of someone. And we're not allowing God to reign. We're not allowing him to rule. We know him. We have him. We know Jesus, but he's not on the throne. And time after time after time, I'd almost say always, when I find stress in my life, God is not on the throne in that area. Um, here's the thing to put on your, on your outline. Peace is the rule of God through Jesus Christ. It's the rule of God, the reign of God, the authority of God. It's not just knowing Jesus and praying to baby Jesus and going, hey, why don't you throw me, whip me up some peace, Prince of Peace. It's, oh, Prince of Peace, what would you have me do? That's how we get peace. That's how he is the author of that peace, only when he reigns. So what does that mean for us? Well, it's kind of lame because what it means is to experience peace, we have to obey. Not. To experience God's peace, we have to, we have to go with bended knee and say, what, what would you have me do in this situation? I'll give you a great example. You guys are going to hate it. For those of you who are new, you're going to be like, I knew this was coming. You're always talking about money, Right. One of the greatest, clearest things in Scripture, the thing that, 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 that makes the most sense is the tithe. And you're like, oh, man, here, here they go again talking about money. I, I, don't want, you know, I don't want your money, okay? God doesn't want your money. He wants obedience. He wants to rule in your finances. And so the way he set it up is, give me 10% of the money I gave you. That's how he thinks of it. I gave you a bunch of money. Give me 10% back of it. You can have the rest. You can do whatever you want with it. Well, not whatever you want with it, but you can do, you know, I'm putting you in charge of it. Go ahead. That, that, that's, that's the plan. And what ends up happening is we get into a little financial difficulty and we go, ah, I'm just going to take control for just a little bit. Man, this was brought up to Lisa and I. One time we had... We were down to nothing and I could make a tithe payment or I could make my house payment or we were going to lose the house. And so I made the tithe payment. And I'm telling you, I cannot, again, peace comes from the rule and reign of God. It doesn't come from a change of circumstances. Because when I made that check, little fairies didn't come down and like drop dollar bills in my you know, oh my gosh, my mattress is made of gold. <laughs> Honey, come quick. What he did was he said, yes, obedience. And immediately I was released from any concern of my finances. Immediately. Immediately. I would way rather have that than a house. Any, any, any given time. I would r- way rather have peace in my marriage than to be right in my marriage. <laughs> Check this out. Psalm 85. You should read it this week. It's really cool. Dave, I don't know if David wrote Psalm 85. I didn't check. 
the author of Psalm 85, inspired by God, whoever that might be, uh, disguised as Clark Kent, mild manner report, okay, uh, was talking about what a land looks like when God's in control, when God's ruling and reigning. Okay, and so he, he's talking about all this stuff and he, he's talking about, man, if God's reigning and ruling, why would you even fuss with stuff that's not what you should be worried about and why would you be doing all this stuff? And then he says this awesomely poetic statement. He says, loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. In other words, you want peace? You need righteousness. Now, that righteousness isn't unto salvation, right? Christ paid for that on the cross. This is, do you want, do you want peace in whatever's happening at work? Work is under the Lord. It says it in Scripture. You want peace in your marriage? Live as though God were reigning in your marriage. You want peace in your home? Have your home set up like God was in control of it, in your finances, and all these different things. That's just it. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Yes. You, yes, you're obeying. Here, this is what it feels like to obey. Loving kindness and truth. You know, we have the truth, truth, truth. Loving kindness. Yeah, when you have the truth, oh, here's what that feels like. It feels like loving kindness. You're obeying. Here's what it feels like to obey. Peace. You see that? This is what the poet's writing there. It, uh, Psalm says it this way in 192, 119. 165, verse 165. Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. See, those who are looking and going, God, what do you have for me? How how do you want me to live? What does your law say? What am I supposed to change? How am I supposed to live? Nothing can cause that person to stumble. Why? Because they're under the authority of God. If I lose my house, he must have wanted me to lose my house. Okay, if I need to be wrong in this situation, I need to be wrong. If I don't get the raise, I must not have gotten the raise. Depends on what it is. Those who love the law, you know, we were in my small group on Tuesday nights. uh, We were talking about Matthew and I said, let's just go through Matthew chapter three. And so um, I try not to talk too much in our in our small group. You're like, yeah, right. No, I really don't. It's because it's amazing what the Holy Spirit brings up. As, as we gather together as a community and, and we go into the word. And so we just started talking about Matthew chapter three, just going over those things. And just stuff was just coming out all over. It was, and everyone's like, man, I love this. That's, that's what it's like. Those who love the law, who, who go before God's word and go, man, this is awesome. I, I, I can't believe we get to do this. Those are the people with peace. They never stumble. But what we're really talking about is God's kingdom. When God's kingdom, when, when his rulership, when his reign actually happens in your life, that's when the peace comes. When he's firmly seated on the throne and we and I begin to act in a way. And this week, every time I get stressed out, he just kept hammering. Get out of my chair. Leave it. Go over there i'll take care of it and and inside i'm like no no i mean you'll take care of it but i got you have to do it this way because this is the way that really would be the best way and he's like duly noted now get out of my chair right (laughs) i mean it's just i just kept going back to like like here you know 
have a seat. <laughs> you know, I'm right, yeah, no, there's plenty of room for, for me and God, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll scoot you over. You won't even know I'm here. Come on, let's go. Or I'll sit on your lap. I got an idea, you know. It's like, no, get out. He just kept telling me, leave it. And honestly, I was like, you're going to mess it up. You're going to do it hard, the hard way. And it's going to hurt me. That's what you're all about. Have you ever been there? I mean, am I just an idiot? I I don't know. I I just get so, and he's like, well, fine then. And the stress won't go away and it won't go away. And I'm like, oh, all right. You know, you know, you know, the music starts. And then it stops and you try to get in the musical musical chairs okay romans 14 listen to this for the kingdom of god isn't any of this stuff it's not eating drinking it's not what you're gonna wear it's not not any of the things that we get all wrapped up in you know what it is it's righteousness living a life with him on the throne and doing what he commands you to do what he commands me to do he's telling me it's righteousness first in my life then peace And once you have peace, the only next thing you can have is joy, right? Which we'll talk about next week, right? Is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what in the world could I possibly want out of life? Why would I give up righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit just so I could be right? Just so I could get the last word in? Just so I could, well... But really, I think we should do this. Why would I trade all that for that? That's where stress comes in. That's stress. When you trade righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit for something that, if I don't jump in here, he's going to mess it up. It's just amazing to me how, 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 how much of a knucklehead I am. So what do we do then? We, we have this joy. We have this, we have this peace that comes. We, we live a righteous life. We put him on the throne. What do we do with this peace? Well, here's the thing. It's so abundant, this peace. It's so much of it. We can't help but give it away. And this is exactly what he wants. He wants us to live a life in circumstances that everyone else around us is living in. And we want them to go, how in the world are you doing this? Why aren't you stressed out? You know, you know, you know where this was shown? It was on the boat. Jesus was on a boat and there was a storm that came. And it's like waves and stuff. And I, I can't swim very well. So when I read that story, it just, ah, to like be in this little dinky boat and wind and waves and stuff would freak me out. I'd be totally freaked out. And Jesus is asleep. And the disciples are like, what are you doing? At the end, they go, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He was asleep during the storm. We're going to do a, 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 a series in January called Storm Chasers. It kind of hopefully te- through the scripture teaches us how to take these storms in our life and just go right into the middle of them with recording equipment and measure them and jack them up okay um but that's for that's for that's for uh january 
Jesus says it this way, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know why they'll be called sons of God? Because their father's in control. And they'll go, yeah, man, blessed are the peacemakers. That God is definitely their heavenly father. They're sons and daughters of him. He's allow- they're allowing him to be in control. It says that how lovely are the feet of those who, uh, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim this, this, this joy, this, this kingdom, right? They proclaim this, this, this uh, environment in which lives of, of, of uh, our lives and God's life are intertwined, this, this shalom. It says, it says um, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those. And at the very end of that, it says, who proclaim, our God reigns. He's in control. That's where the peace comes from, from the reigning. I, um, yeah, we're, we're going to end with this verse. I, I want to mention one verse real quick as the worship team comes back up. There's a famous verse called, um, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that most people, it's one of the first things you learn as a little tiny kid. And it says, to be anxious for nothing. Right? Don't be stressed out about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition or suppli- you know, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now here's what I want us to understand as we go to that verse for comfort of like, yeah, I'm not going to be anxious about this. I'm not going to be anxious about that, God, that job. I'm going to give it to God. We're not saying, and then he'll get me that raise. It's as though we're going to the prince of peace on his throne. And we're saying, God, have your way in this situation. Take it. Thank you that I don't have to worry about this. And then the peace of God, which is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It surpasses all comprehension. You can't even understand it. Our little tiny walnut-sized brains can't even, I don't even understand why I have this peace. I write one check, nothing's changed. I got this peace. It surpasses all comprehension. It's going to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus with him on the throne, ruling and reigning. We cannot have God's peace without his rule. It just doesn't happen. It can't happen. Because where God rules, there's peace. I want to end with this one last verse and then we're going to take communion together. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, that's us, he's talking to us, you were called to peace and be thankful, right? Now, how do we do this? How do we, how do we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? Like, how do we make it so that we're a church of shalom? I mean, could you imagine? We all come here and it's just like, oh man, God's just doing great things in my life. I, I put him in charge of this and I put him in charge of that and I put him in charge of that. I'm just, I'm experiencing this kind of peace. It's just overflowing. It, it doesn't make any sense. It passes all comprehension. How do we do that? Verse 16 is the key. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. 